you know, the great Protestant theologian Karl Barth, he's got this really great quote where he basically says that whenever we interact with the world as Christians, we got to have in one hand a newspaper and in the other hand a Bible. And his whole point is that when it comes to interacting with the world, we need to be cognizant of the signs of the times, if you will, and to learn to read these signs from the perspective of biblical wisdom and Christian truth. So again, when you're interacting with the world, you got to have in one hand a newspaper and in the other hand a Bible. So the example that comes to mind to illustrate this particular principle is something which has become quite popular in recent years, this thing called the cancel culture. So for those of you who aren't immediately familiar with the cancel culture, the, the concept is basically this. If society finds out that you've done something wrong, especially if that thing involves serious or grievous matter, even though that thing may have happened a long time ago, even years ago, again, once society finds out, you're basically done. You can't work in a particular industry, for example. You're excluded from respectable society. And what's more, there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do to kind of say that you're sorry. There's nothing you can do to kind of make up for the wrong which has been done. And so again, you are basically finished if society finds out you've done something, even though that thing happened a long time ago. Now, in the face of it, the cancel culture might seem to have some merit to it, right? Because it creates a sense of accountability, and a particular sense of accountability to the greater community. The difficulty, though, when it comes to the cancel culture is that it basically leaves no room for growth. It leaves no room for imperfection. It leaves no room for people who are in the process of becoming the persons that God is calling us to be, which basically is everybody. And so given all that, basically at the end of the day, the cancel culture is ultimately unrealistic because it leaves no room for people to stumble and fall and then subsequently get up, which of course is a necessary prerequisite, again, to helping us become the persons that God is calling us to be. But you see, in contrast, let's take a look a moment at the Christian perspective. And so Pope Francis, for example, he touches on this particular point indirectly when he talks about the mission of the church. And so basically what he says is that the church is inherently missionary, which is basically to say the church doesn't just have a mission, the church actually is a mission. And the Pope goes on to say that what this means is that as a church, both individually and collectively, we're called to go out to the margins. And not just geographically speaking, but existentially speaking, if you will, in a sense of going to the limits of human experience, whether we're talking about sin, ignorance, pain, misery, or basically whatever the case may be. And you see, what this means, practically speaking, for our purposes today is that all of us as members of God's holy Catholic Church, we're called to go forth now and be very intentional and purposeful in terms of creating safe spaces for other people, to work through their issues, to work through their own imperfections. Again, to be persons in process of becoming the persons that God is calling them to be, regardless of who they are and where they might be in the context of their own spiritual journey. You know, the example that comes to mind to sort of drive this point home comes from the Gospel of John chapter 20, specifically the story of St. Thomas, commonly known, of course, as Doubting Thomas. So you probably know how the story goes, but as sort of a quick recap, basically in the aftermath of the resurrection, the disciples are behind locked doors for fear of the Jews and for fear of the local authorities. When Jesus suddenly appears in their midst, he says to them over and over again, peace be with you, gives them the power to forgive sins, and then actually leaves, right? And what's interesting, of course, is that when St. Thomas finally arrives in the scene and his fellow disciples tell him about everything which has taken place, he refuses to believe them. He refuses to accept their testimony. And of course, what he says on top of that is that unless I can see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my fingers in his hands and my hand in his side, I simply will not believe. 
Now, for us kind of reading the story from afar, it's really easy for us to criticize. It's easy for us to look at St. Thomas and say, well, look, he lacked faith. He should have had faith. And, you know, shame on you, doubting Thomas. You know, that said, I got to say that all of us, without exception, we need to really exercise a certain amount of spiritual discipline here and really rein in this tendency to judge St. Thomas harshly. Because you got to consider this. What was St. Thomas's last memory of Jesus Christ before this particular event? Well, to put it mildly, his last memory of Jesus was that he seems to have been completely destroyed by the forces of evil, left to hanging and dying on the wood of the cross. And you got to realize how significant this would have been for people like St. Thomas, because who was Jesus to St. Thomas? Not simply his friend, not simply his beloved rabbi, but the Messiah, the one upon whom all the people of God had essentially rested all their hopes. And so in the mind of St. Thomas, there is no room for hope. There is no more room for joy. And this conclusion he makes about himself and his life seems to be affirmed by the pain that he feels in his very bones. You see, that said, what's interesting about this whole experience is what it represents, right? Because once you realize that this is actually what St. Thomas is going through, not only does this experience become infinitely relatable, you realize it's symbolic of something deeper. This recurring tension that we all experience at different points in our lives where our faith seems to tell us one thing, but our pain and our experience seems to suggest something else entirely. BC, hold that thought for a moment now and go back to the gospel. And in particular, go back to what Jesus actually says in response to St. Thomas, in response to his struggle. And so again, as a matter of background, Jesus shows up again to his disciples, says to them, peace be with you. And this is about a week later. And this time, St. Thomas is actually with the other disciples. And certainly the Lord has that famous line where he says, blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe thereby affirming this principle that we're called to trust and believe in the truths revealed to us by our faith, independent of our own emotions and experience. But you know, that said, and kind of more to the point, what Jesus says specifically to St. Thomas is actually this, put your fingers here and see my hands. And what's more, put your hands in my side. Do not doubt, but only believe. And of course, the thing I want you to notice here is that what Jesus actually says to St. Thomas in this moment parallels exactly what St. Thomas says earlier in the story in terms of what he actually needs as a prerequisite to finally believe. In other words, instead of harshly rebuking or otherwise condemning St. Thomas, Jesus instead, in his pastoral approach, meets him where he's at and again gives him precisely what he needs to get over the hump to take that next step in his own spiritual journey. In response to which St. Thomas says to the Lord, my Lord and my God, which speaks to the fact that because St. Thomas is patient with himself, because he's gentle with himself, because he gives himself time and space to work through his brokenness, to work through his various issues, to reconcile his faith with his lived out experience, therefore he's able to achieve a greater spiritual depth, which kind of in a certain sense goes beyond that of his brethren. Because if you think about it, when St. Thomas says to the Lord, again, my Lord and my God, that is actually the first clear articulation expressed by a person in the gospel, that Jesus Christ is actually God himself. And of course, the whole idea is that he never would have reached that point if, again, he hadn't given himself the time and the space and the room to work through his own brokenness to reach this point of real spiritual depth. Okay, now obviously there's kind of a lot going on here, but perhaps I might leave you with kind of two takeaway messages. So I guess the first thing is this, to be really intentional and purposeful in terms of trying to create actively and habitually safe spaces for other people, 
and particular safe spaces for people in process. People in process of, again, becoming the persons that God is calling them to be. Mindful of the fact that in a certain sense, the mission of the church is to meet people where they're at and to actually journey with them until they reach a state of real holiness, or perhaps you might say wholeness. Okay, so that's kind of the first thing. But the second and final thing I want to leave you with is essentially this. When you're going about your life and you experience, as we all do from time to time, a certain tension between what your faith tells you and what your experience tells you, don't be so quick to dismiss your experience, but instead bring everything to the Lord. In other words, if you find yourself in a situation where your faith seems to pull you in one direction, but your pain and your emotions and your woundedness seem to pull you in another direction, again, don't dismiss your experience, but instead bring all these things to the Lord and again, wait for His response in the context of prayer. Because you know, even though the Lord's response to you in this particular circumstance might not emerge right away, it is never a waste of time, but instead it will always bear fruit because what you're doing when you engage in this process, you're going through the same dynamic of St. Thomas in the context of the Gospel of John chapter 20. And the fruit again will be absolutely amazing. You will achieve a deeper sense of faith. You will deepen your own relationship with Christ himself. Until hopefully, eventually in time, you too will be able to say in the words of St. Thomas, some variation of, my Lord and my God. And may God bless you all.